Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Welcome to Hey, Aaron, a podcast about dragging Aaron Sorkin through the mud. (laughs) Aaron Sorkin's many (laughs) projects, some of which we love, some of which we love. Many. There are many. (laughs) Charlie, shout out to Charlie Wilson's war. Uh, My name is Brett. I'm Danielle. That's Danielle. Um, Exciting time for everyone here at the podcast where Hey Jeff moniker has been has been shed once again. Or Hey Aaron for a day. We'll be (laughs) Hey Julie again shortly. But at first... We have an announcement to make. Danielle, I'll let you have the floor. Yes. So this is actually going to be the last podcast with Danny for um, a couple, a little while at least, because I'm going to go have a baby. (laughs) So I imagine that's going to take a little time to get used to and um, deal with. So once I get a hold on that, once I'm like so good at that, I will be back. And you know, there's going to be so much to discuss. Something tells me I'm still going to be very active on our Twitter handle, even if I'm not doing <laughs> recordings. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah, maybe you'll you'll be more, even more so, you know. I'm going to be, just, I'm going to be awake. You can text me and yeah. I can screen cap it and, and say, and tell the people what's going on. I'm going to be awake and... I imagine for 24 hours a day once the baby comes and watching Big Brother Celebrity at 3 a.m. when no person should be watching Eastern time when no person should be watching. And I'm going to maybe go on some tweet storms. We'll see. Who knows? But that's what's up. I forget. Does BB Celeb have live feeds? Yeah, it sure does. Now, this could be interesting. Now, BB Celeb, I would I would actually guess that the the feeds are not as lit late night because celebs are all like 53 year old yeah like sugar ray guy i just remember like i need to go to sleep I'm i just old. remember brandy glanville from real house of beverly hills oh, she yeah. kept the feeds pretty lit at, late at night because she drinks a lot but yeah she, she drank <laughs> and she was into the younger men she well, was that was the that's the other thing about BB celebs is they get all kinds of perks that normal BB contestants don't get. They get alcohol. They get a fancy espresso machine. They're hyped up. They probably could bring in their um, vape if they wanted to. But maybe like a cryo a cryo yeah. chamber. Ooh. Why not? Yeah. So it's it's good. It's just a goodbye for now. This will be and what a way to go out. May I just say? Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're gonna talk about the motion picture event of the decade being the Ricardos here. We both watched it. I am so excited to talk about this movie, but I did want to acknowledge this up front instead of at the end of the show. We'll figure out what the next month or two or three is going to look like for us, for you, for me, for baby Danny, for BB Celeb. Like, we'll figure it out. Am I going to do a bunch of like rando monologue episodes? Maybe. (laughs) I hope so. Are you going to do like a rando monologue? Am I going to wake up at six in the morning and just get an email that's like, 35 minutes of Danielle, like no sleep going on BB celebrants and I'll post so. them. Sure. We'll figure that out. Yeah. But the, the assumption right now is we're going to be taking a bit of like a, a pause. While, a holiday pause. Yes. While we welcome new life into mm. this world. Into this so, rich, I'm so excited. I know. Wrong century. Or maybe. Oops. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> also, the other ones weren't so fantastic either. Yeah. Anyways, um, I'm excited for you. Uh, Thank you. I, I'm sure all of our fans are many dozens of us. Dozens um, of us. 
<laughs> let's get into the real. Let's get into the real stars of the twentieth yeah. century. The Real Housewives of the, <laughs> the black and white com- sitcoms. Okay, so we are going to go deep on this movie. I watched it. You watched it. This movie is fucking psychotic. It is not great, but I couldn't turn away. Like, I didn't like it, a lot of it, but I couldn't turn it away. It wasn't, like, actively bad or it was, like, entertaining bad, you know? Well, we let's rewind. Okay. <laughs> so like to... Aaron Sorkin was born. <laughs> yeah. A shooting star sails across the night sky and Aaron Sorkin took his first Aaron breath. Benjamin Sorkin, born June 9th, 1961 in Manhattan, New York. Wow. I didn't know he was a New York kid. Like me. Yeah. Um, But so we have been hyped on this movie for a while. Okay. Like we... <laughs> We, Brett and I like texted back and forth about like the casting of this movie, the like first trailer of this movie. Like we've known this movie's coming and it's all it it stars Nicole Kidman, a frequent, important figure in the Hey Julie universe. And it's written by Aaron Sorkin, who you all know is like now the podcast's name. Hey, Aaron. So this has been something we've really anticipated. And yet, I had no idea that this movie was coming out this week. So I just randomly looking for something to watch on Amazon Prime, saw the banner and was like, oh, okay, (laughs) I guess I watch this now. I thought it'd be more of an event. I really thought there'd be more to it. You texted me on Monday like, this movie's fucked up. (laughs) And I'm like, I didn't even know it was out. Yeah. But here we are. It, it is. I feel like there was, uh, you know, some posters, some some there were some, you know, Twitter days. There were some Twitter days when the the, the trailer dropped yes. and everyone was like, what is this movie? You're not even showing Lucy in the in, in the trailer. Right. Aaron had like, his she's like, press like she's cycles. Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron had his like press cycles. You really didn't hear. Oh, the only press cycle from Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem that we got was they both were like, oh, yeah. We actually didn't want to do this because <laughs> <laughs> they, they're both neither of them are American. And I guess like when they both found out how big a deal I Love Lucy is to American audience, they were like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I should do this. <laughs> Here's the deal. Anyone for whom I Love Lucy was influential. I'll st- wait till you stop drinking, Danielle. Is dead. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this show is so old. Jesus like Christ! Early nineteen fifties. <laughs> yeah, this is an old, which, old show. I, which I have to get into the timing of when this takes place and when the show "I Love Lucy" was made. But like, you know, "I, I Love Lucy" was not, never a thing for me in my life. I'm aware no. of it. I'm aware of her stuffing her face with all the chocolates. Listen, we respect Lucy and we respect the importance of what the show was. Sure. Does that mean that I am going to choose to watch an episode of I Love Lucy over another show I now deem old, such as Seinfeld? No, of course not. I'd rather watch Seinfeld. Yeah. I I, there was, I saw someone do a thread, I think, when the the trailer came out of like, this movie is going to be an abomination. Here's the <laughs> like, here's the essential YouTube of like 
of the best Lucy bits. And I watched a bunch <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm smiling. I mean, I'm smiling, but I, I'm not. Because like, you're you're smiling supportively. You're like, you're like <laughs> your girlfriend I'm like watching brought you my to child's a play she's in. Yeah, sketch exactly. Troop, yeah. And it's really important to them. And you know that this probably is very important. So you want to be supportive, but come on. And when they ask me afterwards, was it good? I'll say, you guys look like you had a lot of fun out there. <laughs> we heard that too many times in our lives, didn't we, Brett? <laughs> Seems we like you guys about... really had a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like, I didn't say it was good or bad. So <laughs> you look like you had a lot of fun. <laughs> we need to talk about the text of this film, though. Because... <laughs> Boy, was there one. I have not seen anything like this before in my life where literally one minute into this film, I had to pause it and (laughs) text Danielle. (laughs) And just, I was like, I didn't know whether I should like start tweeting because the first moments of this movie contain probably the worst thing I've seen in film in a long time, in a decade. Like, what Aaron Sorkin does in this film, he ha- he sets up a framing structure, which is so poorly constructed, poorly oh executed, and fucking just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I I, I just like want to scream it from a rooftop. So unnecessary, too. <laughs> just like why? That's why you said earlier that like you kept watching this movie, you couldn't tear your eyes away. I felt sort of the same way. And for me, it was because I was like, why are these choices being made? (laughs) I was like, maybe they'll be explained at the end. So spoilers for the rest. We're going to go into all of this. But I also have to spoil the first moments of the movie. So the movie, (laughs) being the Ricardos, is framed in the context of a documentary. And the opening of the film is you see a bunch of older folks talking directly to the camera and they have a little graphic under their name, uh, under their face, and it says who they are and what they did on the I Love Lucy show. The right, And it was two of the writers and the executive producer who was also a writer on right. the show. And I started doing the math and I'm like, wait a minute. Everyone who did this show is dead. Yeah, these, these are people fakes. look like they're 60. <laughs> these people look slightly older than my parents. These people look like they're in their 70s. I'm like, I Love Lucy came out 70 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Every, I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm, and then I'm watching them and I'm like, these people are so unnatural mm-hmm. in their, or if anything, they're too natural. And I'm like, Jesus, these are fucking actors. Yeah. This documentary that I'm watching are all words that was written by Aaron Sorkin. And then they hired actors to act as if they were elderly writers on I Love Lucy from 70 years ago. And their performances, God bless them. God oh, yeah. bless them. It's hard to find older actors. they're clearly actors. Yeah. But they're clearly actors. I wouldn't even say that they're bad. I wish that they had actually literally just found three old people who were, have never acted in their life yeah. because then they would actually deliver the lines like a bunch of old people and not like actors doing a toothpaste commercial or like doing a denture oh, yeah. commercial, which is what this was. I'm like, you guys are like showbiz kids, but you're 70. Okay. Not only was this the worst plot device of all time, Brett had to take it. He had to sit down. <laughs> he 
she's like out of breath. <laughs> Not only was this such a bad device. I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. I was like, wait, but I was like, wait, where have I seen this before? And it hit me. Do you remember the Lifetime movie Liz and Dick starring Lindsay Lohan? No. Okay. Well, Aaron fucking Sorkin does because he stole this device from that movie. They did the exact same thing. But instead of it being like random actors playing real people, it's Lindsay Lohan and whoever played um, Dick speaking posthumously to camera as if it's a documentary about their relationship. Yes, they're dead. Are they they spooky makeup on? They're speaking behind the grave. No, they're just like, they're talking about it as if they you know, never died. What the but fuck? But it's all like in hindsight, it's all that like he stole it from Liz and Dick. And I in Liz and Dick it was bad. In this it's just like, come on. This is supposed to be like a fucking Oscar bait movie. And like one of the one of the fake real people is like sitting on a sort of set, a television set, and there's like these monitors and stuff. And it looks like very modern. It looks like they shot it I mean, they probably did shoot it this year or last year. Yeah. It's like, it looks like it was shot in 2020. And the guy, you know, the man playing the old former executive of the show looks like he's sitting in a, you know, a set of a television show in the year 2019 or 2020. Yeah. But this guy probably died in 1993. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? It is so stupid. It was so unnatural. The performance of the writing and to just explain who like Lucille Ball was? <laughs> well, that was the thing. Why those characters? Like, who cares? I'm sorry. I, the actual, no disrespect to the actual writers of the Luce, of I Love Lucy, but like, who cares about these people? Plus, it's not even them. It's actors hired to be them. You know what I was, I watched the whole time whenever one, this actor was on screen? The the writer, the woman, I was just watching her ice Alia Shawkat. Yeah. I was just watching the ice. Tea. And we got good actors. We no, got but in Alia the documentary Shawkar. part, the oh, older oh, oh, actor, the older, yeah, she did have a. She had a she big was like, glass of iced tea, and I was just it was like, like <laughs> it was like the um, the Last Dance documentary. It was like watching Michael Jordan's giant rocks glass full of scotch, <laughs> just like constantly changing. Exactly, l- I was watching l- to see like, is she actually drinking like, from that, or is it going? What's happening here? Like, yeah, MJ is drunk now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was, Talking shit about Scotty Pippen. What a choice. What a choice from Aaron Sorkin. A bold, bold choice from our man. So this, uh, this is just the first two minutes of the movie. And this yeah. comes back a number of times. And this is just to, I guess, at any slower point, have people just explaining what is going on in the movie. But again, right. this is not real documentary footage. This is just shit that Aaron wrote and then hired a bunch of fucking actors from like a sexual health commercial <laughs> set. Yeah. Why? Did, there was no reason. There was so much going on in this movie already. Like so many dropped <laughs> plots <laughs> in this movie. We haven't gotten to like so much. There's so much more to the, talk about. The fact that we had to keep going back to this. Every time we went back to these people, I was like, why? I First of all, let me, now I'm going to get personal. And But this is the way Aaron Sorkin wrote them. I hated the writers and the executive producer when they were young, and I hated them when they were old. They were rude and annoying. 
They suck. And they weren't funny. No. No, and they got good actors to play. I, I was saying, like, Aaliyah Shaka and uh, to- Tony Hale. We yeah. have a nice Arrested Development and reunion. And Jake Lacey. If anyone and ever needs Jake Lacey a is the other one. bland-ass white man, Jake Lacey's your guy. <laughs> like He's doing great. He's available. He's doing great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll fly to Hawaii and have <laughs> yeah. Alexandra Daddario be my wife. Oh, yeah. I mean, so would I. Listen, God bless her. Yeah, you can't travel right now. <laughs> but like, but I, I, the characters were so annoying and horrible. That's the problem with all... Who in this movie was likable? None. And that gets into another major thing I want to talk okay. about, which is Lucille Ball. We got, I have big issues with Lucille. I do not love Lucy <laughs> as depicted in so, this movie. <laughs> this, we'll, we'll get, we'll put past, we'll go past the, the fake documentary. Okay. This movie is fucking incredible and you know it was written by a man because this movie above any of the other things we're going to talk about this movie is a troublesome white man movie (laughs) except for it happens to be about a white woman a redhead yeah everything about this movie plays like you're watching the the movie about the um you know brilliant but complex troubled genius troubled genius character who needs to be so good at their job, needs to be so good at driving a race car or inventing, being the intimidation game, whatever Benedict Cumberbatch was doing yeah, in that or movie. Inventing or inventing Facebook. Or, yeah, it's like, <laughs> this movie is the sort of like troubled genius movie who's like, what this person delivered the world was so, was so above and beyond anything else yeah. at the cost of their family life. Right. And it was just- Aaron Sorkin hey, was man, like, I relate to that. <laughs> Where, yeah, I know exactly. Oh, that, it was such like a white man movie yeah. because you're like, I have seen this movie 35 times about like some English guy who invented a bomb or some. Yeah, it's always right. like some English guy who's like um, invented something or became a race car driver or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you got like, drive I can't do on the anything line. but drive that car. I <laughs> yeah. can't drive. The only thing I know is to drive this car fast. I don't care about our children. Right. Jessica. It's just one of those movies, but I love Lu- but Lucille Ball is the main character. Let me just take this opportunity to remind everyone, the last movie I walked out of in theaters was Ford versus Ferrari. I walked I, out. I, 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 I like, watched about 35 minutes of it on HBO and I stopped watching it. I was, I like, was in a theater with my friend and it was his suggestion to see it. And I looked at my watch and I thought the movie was probably, you know, three quarters of the way done and then i checked the time i looked it up and it was like two hours and 20 minutes so we were only like 40 minutes into the movie and i turned to him and i said i'm not saying and he walked out with me because he agreed you know what that movie was very boring and it sucked and you know what else this movie also sucked but i did watch the whole thing this movie felt four hours long Give me your Lucille Ball takes, though. Okay, so I texted you this, but, like, I'm watching, and, well, first of all, Nicole Kidman. (laughs) Nicole Kidman, they give her some really cute clothes. They give her, I don't know what they did. She does not look like Lucille Ball at all. They gave her some wigs. She puts on her American accent. (laughs) And, yeah, she does... It, she does some voices. I mean, she does more voices here than she does like in a, like, what was the name of the TV show? The with Undoing. Hugh Grant? 
No, the undoing, the undoing was so much better like, than this. Because <laughs> at least the undoing, she could be no. free. Here she's trapped, trapped under Aaron Sorkin's thumb because she's not she playing Lucille Ball. She's playing Aaron Sorkin. And I just could see like when they yell cut and Aaron Sorkin's like, Nick, Nick, here, come here, Nick. So Nick. the thing is, is that, yeah, you know, he calls her Nick. He's like, <laughs> the thing is, is she... Lucille is a genius, you know, like, and people just don't get it. And she comes across, you can't be afraid to come across like aggressive and like a bitch because, you know, if you were a man, no one would call you a bitch. So play it like that. Play it like, like she was so annoying. Lucille Ball was annoying. That's what I'm getting from this. I don't respect it because she was a woman during that time. I think she was still really annoying. (laughs) It was just, it was just a very... It was like a very male, everything about it was like very male. And I don't know anything about what she was like or any of that. And it just comes across like this is all from like a very male perspective. And the entire movie played out like a beautiful mind where you have these scenes where they're rehearsing rehearsing a scene of I Love Lucy. Where they're writing a scene of I Love Lucy. And people are talking and she's like, quiet. And like it flashes into her mind. And she is constructing the scene in her mind like she's autistic Russell Crowe inventing (laughs) electricity or whatever that movie's about. And you're like... What was that movie She's making... Where she's like... She's shoving the chocolates in her mouth. (laughs) She needs to see if she can fit 14 chocolates or 16. That's the math. And it is like... And this is... And it's played with the seriousness of like some... You know, male scientists being like, I will invent the artificial heart. It was just but like, it's like jerk nah, off motion the whole movie. Oh my you know, God. Like, it was <laughs> amazing. All these flash of like these, like, the, there are these, like, these, not flash forward, it's a flashback. It's like, it's a flash to imagination flash land. To of, the mind, yeah. To the mind of Nicole Kidman's Lucille Ball constructing the perfect comedy scene. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. But it's like, Here's the thing. She's so Lucille Ball, as depicted in this movie, is so confident, so assertive, so just like, I know I'm a genius. I know I'm brilliant. No one can talk shit to me. I call the shots. I do everything like I'm the best. And I was like, this is so not how any human being acts like except for Aaron Sorkin, I'm sure. Because yeah. like any any real character, any woman, anyone is going to be we need to see like, how did they get there? OK, like, OK, I can believe that someone has a ton of confidence and like realizes that the Hollywood system doesn't appreciate them and like ha- like realizes that they're a genius, but no one else sees it or like they have to prove themselves. That's fine. But there's never any growth or any like indication as to how she got that way even when she's like struggling she's like this so i'm just like there's no growth for the character whatsoever she's just always annoying so there was actually a way to show this because in addition to the framing device of the fake documentary with actors playing real people who are dead in a documentary format You have the main plot of the movie, which takes place over five days of (laughs) 
Lucy and Desi's left, which is also like, okay. Aaron, stop doing this thing where it's like, instead of telling the person's story, you're like, I'm just going to pick out these, this one event from their life and turn it into something else. Which, by the way, we haven't even talked about is her being fingered for being um, a communist <laughs> and possibly black. Oh, my God. <laughs> OK. Oh, my God. I, okay. I ha- we have to get packed. So later. <laughs> OK. OK. Because the ending of this, the ending of that plot is the fun. It was so funny. I laughed that loud. <laughs> There's also a number of flashbacks to Lucy's career in Hollywood before she ever gets this, you know, before she, you know, how she meets Desi and all this stuff. And so you could show that progression of she started one way and she ends this way, but they don't. It was just like, well, okay, we have a movie that's um, an hour and 45 minutes. Is that how long this movie was? No, it was two hours okay. and 10 minutes. Yeah, okay. But good. they're like, well, we don't actually have how Lucy and Desi met. We don't have, um, you know, how they started a family. And we don't <laughs> have how um, I Love Lucy became a thing. Right. So even though none of those things matter at all to the plot, all of a sudden we just start having these, like all of a sudden it cuts to like five years earlier and they're on a set for a different movie together. And this is how they met. And you're like, why, why am I watching this? And it cuts around so much. So to the point where there is one very critical scene in the movie and we don't know why it's critical to the end, but there's a scene where Lucy's doing laundry at home and it's raining and she discovers something that we don't, that the audience doesn't discover until the end of the movie where I'm like, wait a minute, is this taking place like later the de- that day of the <laughs> yeah. last scene that I watched? Right. Or is this a flashback to like we eight years tell. prior yeah. when they were like working at a different studio together? And it was confusing. No, that was the thing about all the flashbacks is like you couldn't tell because here's the problem. Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem, God bless them. Two of two beautiful, beautiful two actors. Best. Gorgeous. Best. Very talented. Um, would I say that Oscar winners, uh, both Oscar winners, call it friendo. Yeah. How much have you ever lost in a <laughs> coin flip? Yeah. He played the worst. What was that character's name? I hate that character's name. Anton Chigurh. I hate it. <laughs> I love it. I love no country for old men so much. Cause his name is Anton Chigurh. And then about two thirds of the, the way least. into the movie, Woody Harrelson comes in as just like some other fucking guy in the universe. And he keeps calling him sugar. <laughs> That was the least memorable that name. Sh- that of sugar any character villain. is a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that name. I was like, I'll never remember this name. But I- I'll remember this performance, but I'll never remember this character's name. Okay, but so they're wonderful. Are- would I say that they are chameleonic in their talents to look, let's say, younger or older than what they actually look? No. no. And the makeup and hair and costume departments did not help either. They always look the same age. And so I was just like, this is all present day, I think. Like, I don't know if they were going to. Why didn't they have older, older Ricky? I don't know. Why couldn't they get younger Ricky and Lucy? I don't know. I guess they were like, if we have them, we got to get our money's worth out of Kidman and Bardem. But like, I agree. It took some getting used to. But here's the thing. Even in the flashback where they're showing um, how Lucy gets the show, which is at first she was doing radio, and the radio was a big hit. And then so people from TV come to her. She's shitty to them. I'm like, what you have, what's your leverage? Why does she have leverage over them? Why can't she have any sort of like 
I don't know, humanity to her. <laughs> She's just constantly this machine of like quippy, like you don't tell me what to do. I'm calling the shots, fellas. And like, I know you'll do what I do because I'm the best. And it's like, but you don't really have that leverage. And even if like just a a line or a scene or something about how she's like, I know I don't have the leverage, but I have to pretend. And that's, you know, or like I have I have to put on this front so that people believe it. And finally, they are something, but they never did. She just really believed it because Aaron Sorkin really believes that about himself. That's it's something that really bothers me in a lot of like these true story movies is like when the main character really believes in themselves so much and there's never any doubt in it. And yeah, like, like great. That's so just they, not that's not interesting. Humanity. <laughs> I mean, I really I'm a big supporter of like confident people, especially confident women, obviously. But like I love I. Love <laughs> of course but it's just like it's not real life for a million percent it's bad writing it's bad writing yeah. Aaron. well that's just not what a movie is like yeah. a movie needs to follow something like it really bothered me about that movie the blind side remember the blind side from oh, like yeah. 10 years ago I re- with oh sandra i rewatched bullock. it very recently and recap sandra this is a true story of a, about a real football player named michael Orr. um she takes in like basically a homeless teenager yeah and she's a white man she's a white woman he's a black he's a black teenager and but he's like really physically gifted he's a big guy and he learns to play offensive line and he becomes a very successful nfl player but it's about his his he's a teenager and he gets taken in in the southern community and by this white woman and you know how people perceive her and the entire movie is just about her being like i'm doing the right thing and no one's going to be mean to him or no one's going to tell him yeah. what he can't do he's going to grow and i'm like this isn't a movie no like the story is interesting but her just being a hundred percent right hey it's sure. a great amazing She's thing sure. to do what she did to yeah. this man's this man's life it's a beautiful thing but that's not a movie of her just being like confident everywhere she goes and being like he's going to play football on your team and then that happening like that's no. not a movie. That's, there's no drama in that. Let me tell you something right now. I watched this movie recently. There is a scene where they buy Michael a new truck. Okay. And then he takes mm-hmm. her son, who's like, I don't know, seven years old. I don't know what age he is, but he's like annoying. <laughs> he takes him. He takes the son for a joyride. He's not paying attention to the road and they get into a car wreck. Okay. And when she shows up, the mother of the son... Sandra Bullock shows up. She sees Mike Lohr. She's like, honey, I'm not mad. I'm just glad that you're okay. Okay, you're going to be a little mad. I'm sorry. Like, that was the scene that totally exemplifies. No, she just was 100% nice and a total angel. Totally believed him in the whole time. No, she was pissed off that and he yet, got to a car And knew wreck. that her, the kindness, like just the devotion in her heart was going to change this person's life. And there was going to be no you know, no wavering from that. It's like, that's not realistic. It's just not, it's not even a movie. Like that seems completely made up. And it's also just not an interesting factor in a movie. We have to move on. I, or okay. unless you have something else. Well, I just had one thing to say on that. about the blind okay, side no, I do. I, I have a question. <laughs> I have a question for you okay. about something else. Sorry. <laughs> Should I say my thing? No, no, go, no, okay. please go for it. No. Okay. So, so like this scene, so they, they're like dancing in the car and they get into this car. And Michael. Oh, we're still talking about bl- blindside. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! 
<laughs> so like they get into this car wreck and then it's revealed that Michael Orr, even though he caused the car wreck or he was driving, he also, when they get into it, put his arm up um, and the arm like saved the kid from dying, being crushed from the airbag. And I just yeah. wanted your professional like sports opinion. Can someone be that strong? <laughs> to, <laughs> to stop it unrealistic. Air- I mean, yeah. I, he just was, his his arm, arm, was his arm broken? It's not broken. He just has like a couple cuts. <laughs> no, I mean... I was like, I know I they make him, him like strong, using the like, arm bar. Moly. Like everyone does, everyone who's driven with a parent has has been a recipient of the arm bar. Okay, even in the most <laughs> you know safe situations. Well, um, I I mean, it saved this kid from death. All right, we can move on. I was just like, wow, this guy's really strong. I have one question for you, Danielle. Okay, Moving please. on. Yes, is Aaron Sorkin aware of the film? The Mask, released in the year 1994. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I was like, this. now I know this movie isn't made for millennials. This movie is made for people who are 100 years old because any millennial or around then person watching is immediately going to look... I went and watched that scene and I was like, I wish I was watching The Mask because... Cuban Pete is a great number. Cuban Pete, needle drop. Okay, Javier Bardem sings Cuban Pete <laughs> in Being the Ricardos. Of all the movies ever released <laughs> where a character sings Cuban Pete, <laughs> Being the Ricardos is at least second place. It is 100% worse. And I love <laughs> Javier is very hot, okay? But like, he doesn't have the, the raw charisma that Jim Carrey has as the mask <laughs> put, doing Cuban Pete. He hypnotizes lady police officers in that <laughs> scene. He's an exotic guy. Oh, no. What an erotic guy in Havana. In Havana. I don't know if those are the lyrics, but. I am sure Desi Arnaz sang Cuban Pete at the nightclub. (laughs) Cuban Pete is like a standard. It's like have yourself a merry little Christmas. It's a famous song. It was probably written like 100 years ago. I'm sure many people sing Cuban Pete at the clubs in the (laughs) 50s. Was there another song Desi could <laughs> sing instead of one so famously performed by Jim Carrey by, in The Mask? By a literal clown. The last <laughs> time this song was performed by, was by a clown in a circus movie. Okay. And like, it was so much better in that movie. Like, what's your, like, pick a Aaron famous Sorkin needle drop have... from a song yeah, or from he, a movie. Like, he doesn't surround himself with the right people, clearly. Because I, if I was Aaron Sorkin's, you know, EA, I would immediately be like, Aaron, have you, you remember they did this in the mask though, right? And, and then he would be like, oh, really? And I'd show him the clip that I looked up and I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think we can top this. And he'd say, okay, let's pick a different song. No, he'd say, okay, crazy lady, (laughs) go away. (laughs) It's probably what he'd say. It would be like, there's like a lovemaking scene and they play take my breath away. Yeah. And you're like, okay, just so you know, <laughs> that happens in Top Gun. Tom yeah. Cruise has sex with what? What's her name? And they play Kelly "Take McGill- My Breath McGillis. Away." Kelly McGinnis. McGillis. McGillis. You know she's like six know. feet tall. Tom Cruise ain't. Yeah, he News ain't, flash. and neither is Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. But somehow they make it work. Uh, 
So it's like, okay, well, is this referencing Top Gun? <laughs> no, then probably just pick another another Bonin song. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they he must. Everyone must have just thought like, no one's gonna remember the mask. But like the mask, the mask is, is on television constantly, and it's so burned. And it's yeah. not. It's not a great movie. It does not hold up very well. Really, but Cuban Pete. Cuban Pete still slaps. If you were alive in the 90s, like you remember the mask and Cuban Pete. I mean, and Cameron you know, Diaz in that movie. Kid, if. Cam, oh my gosh. Cameron Diaz in that movie, I realized, is why I love Reformation dresses. Because she wears all these great dresses in the movie that basically you can buy now at the Reformation. And it's like, um, thank God someone realized. What this. is Reformation? Is that like a new store? It's not new. It's not new. It's like they. The dresses they make are just all skin tight, slits up to the thigh, show off the cleave, exactly like the stuff she wears in the movie. And they all, you know, like they all have a flower print or they're bold red or gold. And they're just like, oh, sure. They're the best. And I think she was she's the muse. She's the blueprint. Anyway, back <laughs> to being the Rickies. So I just I know we talked about them Um or we, we talked about it a little bit, but I do want to remind everyone this movie takes place over the course of a week because not Nicole, Lucille Ball gets, um, someone says that she's a communist. <laughs> and it, here's the thing. They keep saying like, no one's picked it up. No one's writing about it. It's not a big deal. So well, is it or isn't it? Well, it's weird. Like, so some, at the top of the movie, some radio show discovers that in the 20s she had like registered as a communist once like uh, like for a primary or something like that like on right. her whatever she, ballot. she clicks the box she she clicked the, the box. box yeah and she's like oh yeah well the guy like my stepdad was a communist growing up and i liked him a lot and i didn't really know what my political affiliation actually was so i just clicked the box and uh i'm not yeah <laughs> and that's it <laughs> But that becomes the plot of the whole movie is like, well, the newspapers pick up because only one only one radio show reported picked it, it up and yeah. will the newspapers pick it up. And of course, the newspapers p- pick it up at the most inopportune moment right before Lucy's to go on stage. But also, meanwhile, there's also a story about Desi being a big old horn dog and cheating on Lucy. Yeah. So that's another like, you know, marital bliss question mark. <laughs> and then there's also the plot of Lucy being pregnant right. and them trying to convince the network and the sponsors to have that become a part of the show instead of having her like carrying around a laundry basket or like standing in front of a table the entire time. There they was... would be like, oh, just make that a plot of the show. And then at the end, like she can have a baby and then next season we'll have like a young child actor. Yeah. Playing our, you know, our son or daughter. Um, Tied into the Desi (laughs) cheating. There was also the subplot of like, Desi needs to feel like a man on set. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's so much (laughs) in this movie. And like, (laughs) at one point, the writers go over to him and are like, well, if it makes you feel any better. Yeah. Lucy's name is the title. But like the I in I Love Lucy is you. And in that moment, Javier Bardem turned into Anton Chigurh. Oh yeah, <laughs> he went. Call he, it for a dope. 
<laughs> he was like, it's I was like, he's going to kill them. <laughs> I was like very excited for a moment. I was like, ooh, this is the Javier I like. Like he, he, a flash of evil came across his face. But then, you know, it's just like another 18 million scenes of quippy dialogue and the old couple, which by the way, Nina, what's her name? The Broadway star who is playing mm-hmm. the old woman cup part of yeah. the couple is like, how old do you think she is? I think she's 37. She does not look old. She's They honestly make her look, they make her look worse in the movie because you know how they have the, on the Amazon, the x-ray thing where you, you hold the button and it yeah. shows you the actors in the scene. I'm like, yeah, my, who's this actress? I've never, she's got a pretty juicy part and I've never seen her before. And then I see the headshot. I'm like, damn. Yeah. She fine. Yeah. She's a big Broadway star. Um, and she is young. She's way younger Her than name is everyone Nina in this Arianda, movie. Yeah. And she's beautiful. She's younger than everyone she's, in this movie. She's 37. Oh my gosh. I didn't look that up. I was just going with my gut. Yeah. She's, well, yeah. She, yeah. I don't know what, I can't do the math. She's like 37, 36, whatever, whatever the math is. And they, they paired her. Like, I think she's a good actress, so good for her. I don't want to take her away, you know, her work. But I think they could have cast a little older if the whole point of this character is that she's the old frump and she's meant to stay the old frump. Well, I think that's the part. I think that's the issue with, like, the character is that the woman who played her wasn't that old. But she's married to fucking old fat jk simmons who's a <laughs> disgusting drunk piece of shit and yeah what was this lucy deal? lucille ball keeps being like hey um pardon me bless Excuse you me. bless you thank you lucy lucy ball is like hey i see you're doing the old uh, diet juice cleanse um your character's fat and ugly <laughs> <laughs> i don't want you to be hotter than me that was amazing. Yeah, she just comes right out. She sends the writer to Nina's room with like pancakes French and bacon. Toast. Yeah, sorry, French toast. And it's like, eat up, oinker. Like, it's, yeah. don't try to be, don't try to be hotter than me. She tries on this gorgeous red dress. She looks good. She's feeling herself. Lucille Ball comes in and is like, uh, uh, uh. Can't look hotter than me in that scene. Like this whole movie made Lucille Ball seem horrible. <laughs> and then, okay. J.K. Simmons plays this old drunk and like, but Lucy respects him. You know why? Because he did vaudeville for 50 years or something. (laughs) They have like this talk about it where he's like, you know, he gets her. He gets that she's a perfectionist because he doesn't want us meet on set at 3 a.m. to practice a fucking dinner scene. But he gets they get each other because they're both vaudeville geniuses. I'm rolling my eyes because only Aaron Sorkin, (laughs) like only, of course, the old drunk man who probably sucked in real life is like Lucy loves him and, you know, relates to him. Of course. Oh, yeah. Like they they make him seem irredeemable at first because he's like really he's He's gruff. 
he's gruff. He's shitting on the communists. And we all know, we all love communists here. Yeah, in now we love communists. Yeah. We love our comrades. Yeah. And he's like being unnecessarily mean about the communism thing. He says he's going to, that there's a kid on the different show who's a communist, who's like a, like a literal child actor. He's like, yeah. I'm going to beat the shit out of that kid for being a communist. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? I'm drunk all the time. But then it's like, oh no, they find an understanding. Because he did vodka. Together. And he appreciates. We love we love the borscht belt here on Hey Julie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, again, this movie was made for hundred year olds. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want to talk about the resolution okay. of the communism plot. Oh yes, please. Because stuff is going on; it's all happening at the wrong time. They're about to go on stage and do the show, and, it has and to be the Evening Herald is like, "You got, you know, yeah, communists right here in I Love Lucy Town," and. But Desi's up to something. He has a plan. He tells his con- he tells his uh, secretary. He whips out a piece of paper. He says, "Call this man. Tell him I'll be with him in a moment." And then he goes out. And then Desi goes out in front of the audience. Yeah. And he has the secretary bring over the phone, and he holds the phone up to the microphone, and oh he's like, "Hi, I'm Desi Arnaz. Uh, you know, you're. I'm talking to you. Um, is the government? Uh, act, does the government actually think?" Uh, Lucille Ball's a communist, and the voice on the other said, on the other end says, "No, uh, you know, are you going to be arresting her? No, is she free to go? Yes. By the way, sir, what's your name?" <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> and then okay. everyone applauds and this is the climax <laughs> of the movie. Like he just protected the blind side and became an NFL player. And yeah. this is what we're erupting over. Like our main character finally solved the rocket that goes to the moon is that a voice on the end of the phone is like, Whoa. I'm J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what the fuck? And I <laughs> thought this was a joke. I thought it was a joke. Well, what I, I thought, thought the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Well, I turned to my husband and we were watching together. I was like, wait, so is that like, did Desi, is this what actually happened? Did like Desi hire an actor to play J. Edgar Hoover to just like do this prank? Like to, or like pull one over on everyone? Like, I don't understand. You don't even have to hire an actor. It's in the fifties. It's on the phone. It's not a fucking <laughs> FaceTime chat. Literally anybody could be like, yeah, I'm a J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's the <laughs> Yeah, like you're innocent. <laughs> I, but was that ever convinces the world that Lucille Ball is not a communist? Is just some guy on a and phone? And how does he know if that was, if we are to believe that that was the J. Edgar Hoover, how the hell does Desi Arnaz have his phone number? How? He's powerful. Desi's powerful. I mean, they did say his dad was the mayor of Santiago. Sure. Um, yeah, there was that was another thing. Like they're dealing with a lot in this movie. They're dealing with like showing pregnancy on TV, sexism. Also, they didn't want to show a white lady married to a Cuban guy. And so they we had to fight that for a scene. It was just like so much shoved into a movie. It was. Um I I don't want to talk about I want to talk about the end of it, like the literal end credits okay. of the film. Oh, I don't know. I think I turned it off. <laughs> no, well, there's nothing to see other okay. than like. I mean, do you have anything else from like the from the meat of the movie? I the, I hated. I really hated any time Nicole Kidman and the female writer talk to each other because I was just like, this. I can hear Aaron Sorkin jerking off and patting himself on the back at the same time, of like, look at me having these two 
powerful women having a talk about how hard it is to be powerful women. I was just like, I hate this so much. I hate it. Patting himself for for uh, passing the Bechdel test. Which I don't even think it did because I think they were talking I about... Know. I wasn't really... I, I didn't... I mean, if they're talking about Desi, then it didn't. Yeah, I think they were talking about like being women in the show biz. But also, but... you know what? In the context of this film, the character of Lucille Ball should be considered a male character. Yes. She she was Aaron Sorkin. That's all there is to it. She was not Lucille Ball. She wasn't Nicole Kidman. She was Aaron Sorkin. And in that, she was brilliant. So the movie ends. J. Edgar Hoover tells a bunch of people, hey, yeah, it's me. 100% innocent. J. Lucy J. Innocent. <laughs> Uncredited Leo DiCaprio as J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> The the Sorkin verse and the and the Eastwood verse are crossing over. Turns out Desi was cheating on her, and yeah. that's the end of the movie. And then it says there's a title card that was like Lucy and Desi got divorced this day on like March first, nineteen sixty. And I'm like, wait, what year does this movie take place? They never said it. Right. It doesn't start with like. I had to look it up. This movie takes place in the year 1952. Okay. So quite so a while later. The movie ends with like a, t a card of being like, well, this shit was so traumatic to Lucy that they got divorced. Eight years later, Eight I, years I, I'm later. young. I don't know anything about these people's relationship <laughs> other than like <laughs> literally their names and their faces and like that he's Cuban and she's American. So saying this like, this happened and then this happened on the I don't know when the, I don't know when this movie takes place. Tell me that this movie takes place in 52. You know. Because honestly, it sounds like they were together for another eight fucking years. We talk a lot of shit about Aaron Sorkin, but oftentimes we find a reason to also begrudgingly respect Aaron Sorkin. And I think you just pointed it out. This movie, when I watch Survivor, when I watch Big Brother, when I watch 20 somethings Austin on Netflix, I feel old and decrepit but when i watched this movie i felt yeah. like a springtime babe <laughs> i felt fresh innocent pure i didn't know what the hell was going on and i felt glad this movie was proof that i'm not that old thank god <laughs> it's i just don't understand how you had a movie like this like <laughs> All right. And this is what caused Lucy and Desi to break up. And then you look on Wikipedia and you're like, oh, they worked together, married for another nine years. And then they got divorced. They broke up, period. I don't, I don't know. That seems wrong. Uh, sad. But I mean, if he was cheating on her, you know, there's only so much a strong woman like Lucy is going to take. Nine more years of it, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, it was this movie I, I, I baffled me. As I said, I kept watching because I was like, wait, why is this like this? And again, I never got an answer except in the form of J. Edgar Hoover calling in, like <laughs> essentially calling into a radio show almost, being like, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Lucy Innocent. <laughs> like it was it was insane. Why couldn't they at least be like just throw in a line after that of being like, wow, you know J. Edgar Hoover? That wasn't J. Yeah. Edgar Hoover. That was my impressionist friend or something. That you was Daryl Hammond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, or like actually show, you don't even have to show J. Edgar. Just show like a man with his 
portrait, like a man with his silhouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At a desk in Washington, D.C. Hanging up the phone, yeah. Being like, I'm Jay Edgar, hanging up the phone, looking up at the Washington Monument. Looking at his list of Doing some stupid fucking horrible racist shit (laughs) later. (laughs) Lives he's going to ruin. Yeah. How many Sorkins would you give this movie out of five Sorkins? (laughs) Two. (laughs) I'd give this a full five. Full five Sorkins. There was no one. I don't... Perhaps I don't understand the rating system. This was a very Sorkin-y Sorkin. Um, oh, so that's, this is not a, this is not a. It's not a quality test. It's, it's a not Sorkin quality test. yet. No, yeah. it's not a measure of quality. It's a measure of how Sorkin it was. Yeah, exactly. Then I'm actually, yeah, I'm going to say it was um, probably a, a five. Yeah, this it was absolutely full a five. throttle Sorkin. Because, and what there I was were saying. multiple framing devices. There were walk-in <laughs> talks. There was people reading a script to something and then having a conversation about something else. Like while the script is happening, there were flashbacks, flash forwards, fancies of flights of imagination. It had everything. Yeah. My after as my husband was like, why do you watch this guy's movies? Like, he's so bad. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, he's not bad when there's someone else on set to be like, hold your horses, Sorkin. We're doing things my way. And I was inspired to look up um, the making of the social network because I was I have a very distinct memory of watching all of the like DVD materials for that movie. And I'm sure in my heart, in my core memory, there is footage of David Fincher telling Aaron Sorkin to shut the fuck up. Like, maybe not in those words, but being like, okay, thanks. Like, we're good on the script. We're, I'm going to get to directing this movie now. You know, like... <laughs> there is no way David Fincher likes having writers in the same no. fucking... No. Like, time time zone as him but when so he's I went directing down, a movie. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole trying to find it, and I couldn't... Fi- There's like an hour and a half long making of The Social Network on YouTube, which right, I'm like... This. I will watch it and I will find this scene and I will post it on our Twitter account because we need to see David Fincher telling Aaron Sorkin, like, shut up and eat your food, you know? (laughs) Fucking writer. Why are you even here? Yeah. You wrote it already. It's done. We'll see. Uh, Danielle, we we spent nearly a full hour discussing this film. And we also, we are talking, uh, do you have to go or, or no, can we go I don't have bit? to go. I, I, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. But Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> it's Christmas. I do want, um, okay. Here's the thing. Everyone, everyone wants to hear about Stillwater. I'm trying I, to look at there's any. We have to do Stillwater. <laughs> we have to do Stillwater. We'll any, kill the rest of our, of our outline for today. We have to do still. There's no comments about anything other than Stillwater. No I one said, wanted on to Twitter, know. About... Like, send us your questions, and everyone yeah. was just like, "Fucking Stillwater, <laughs> we're going." I don't care if we go another full hour. Okay, this so... is our last podcast of the year. Our last podcast for oh, sometime it's yeah. Christmas. We're doing Stillwater, Danielle. Okay. This is I I know ex- I know everything that happens in this movie, but I have and I have not and I will not ever watch this movie. Do you? Because wa- I'm going to explain it, and I want you to feel free to ask questions. Okay, because, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. So this movie, Matt Damon plays a roughneck, and that is how he's described in like the IMDb synopsis. He's a roughneck, not a redneck, a roughneck from Stillwater, Oklahoma. 
And he has a daughter, a teenage daughter, who's in jail in France. And he travels there because he believes that she did not commit the crime that landed her in jail. And she's been in jail for like a little while now. Um, the crime that got her in jail? You guessed it, baby. Cold-blooded murder. Oh, so Amanda Knox 2.0. Exactly, exactly. She's played by Abigail Breslin, who I just want to say. She's all grown up. She's all grown up, and she's actually very good. <laughs> she's a good actress. I like her. Um, but so he goes to France, and his daughter has not given up hope. His daughter's like, we got to get the judge to reopen this case, talk to my lawyer. Like, I swear I didn't do it. And of course, he's her dad. He believes her and he wants to make it so. So he tries to get the lawyer to reopen the case. And the lawyer is basically like, um, we don't do that here. Like, she's in the prison. Like, good luck. <laughs> like, she is not interested. She says there's no way. There's no hope. And basically, like, if you're a good dad, you won't let this kid have hope that she'll ever get out of prison. But Matt Damon can't accept that. Also, I just need to say, Matt Damon has like a fucking goatee, Oakley's sleeveless cutoff shirts on throughout this whole movie, even in France. He does not. <laughs> he looks acclimate. like every avatar of a guy <laughs> taking a, a selfie in a Ford F-150 with sunglasses on. Yeah, he's like, he looks 100% January 6th, if you know what I mean. Oh, <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> okay. So... So he, we all know where he lies on the political spectrum, if we're being honest with He's ourselves. He's doing his own damn research. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so he decides to move to France because... Like, he's like, I got to be with my daughter. You know, I want to help her. And he lies to the daughter and tells her like, yeah, the lawyer is definitely going to take on the case and uh, we're going to get you out of here, babe. So she's living in prison thinking like everything's going to be great. He gives her false hope. And meanwhile, he gets like a job in France. I don't know how. And he meets this like absolute French babe. And the French babe has a little oui, friend. Oui. <laughs> oh, oui. She has a little French daughter who's like so cute. And basically, he's like, starts a new life with this family. Like, he's the dad now with the with the um, the French woman and her daughter. Like, occasionally we see the um, he's trying to help his his real daughter out of prison, but mostly he's just like settling in. He's fixing stuff around the house. He's like loving it. He that's what the movie's about. For a good hour, is just him hanging out with this French family. Okay, fixing things around and the house. How much did they cut back to the Breslin plot? Not much. Okay, but like that's this is what I he... understand is like this is just a movie about Republican Matt Damon living in France and like Not going enough. to the store to get baguettes. Well, here's and then all the this... thing. Okay. Here's what the screenwriter does, and this is the same screenwriter who wrote Spotlight. Spotlight. What a fall from grace! Can I just hello say? Spotlight? <laughs> but so. There's this scene because it's France. You know, people are I know there's like f fractions of alt-right and evil, bad people there, too. But like, I'd say as a whole, France is more liberal than America. I mean, that's like the sort of. Yeah, I mean, well, at least, OK, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't not. know, because then you go to Europe and they're like, you're right. You think America is like just completely steeped in racism. And then you like watch one soccer match and you're like, oh, no. Okay. This is like so much worse than America. No, you're right. You're 100% right. So it's different. I take it back. It's different. Yeah, but yeah. But I got you. The people in this movie, the French people in this movie are like liberal. 
legalité, fraternité, liberalité. Okay. So she, the, the mom and her French friend are talking and Matt Damon does not understand French. She doesn't speak French. He's always like, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> like he does not try to learn anything and <laughs> being in France. But so they're talking and her friend's like, are you like hooking up with a Trump supporter? And the mom's like, hell no. Well, I don't even know. Ask him. And so the friend asked him like, hey, we just need to know who did you vote for in the last election? Oh, oh. I know. And Matt Damon says, I, oh no, she, what she asks is, did you vote for Trump? And he says, no, I didn't vote for Trump. And they're like, ooh, oh la la, we love this. He voted for Hillary or whatever. And then, and then he goes, I didn't vote. And they're like, oh, we don't know about that. It's good to have, play your, have your civic duty. He's like, I didn't vote because I'm not allowed to because I'm a felon. And they're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like, I just thought this was an incredible screenwriting trick to be like, I don't want to piss off any audience members. So I'm going to make it where he has absolutely no political affiliation whatsoever because he's not allowed to because he's a felon. So that way, my Republicans seeing this movie can't get mad and my Democrats seeing this movie can't get mad. And I was just like, wow, what a loser. He's like Lucille Ball. <laughs> yeah, so he checks the I'm box. I'm a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's it. Lucille Ball thinks that the DMV should be abolished and anyone who wants to drive a car, even if they're an infant, should be allowed. Meanwhile, there's another scene where, so his daughter... Her whole thing is like, I didn't kill this girl. This guy, oh, I forget the guy's name. This guy did. And the guy is not white. Um, so of course. Oh. So, I, I want to come back. So I want to come back to the Trump thing. Yeah. So does the does the felon part pay off at all? Or is it just a way for no. the writer to be like, I can't. It's a hundred. I don't want to. I don't want to paint this guy as a Trump supporter. But he's, a, <laughs> he obviously has concerns about her emails. So we yeah. didn't vote for Hillary either. So <laughs> no. it was just like a way in the writing and in the the building of the character to to like not paint him as one or the other. Exactly. It's a it's a million percent like he is a Republican. He did vote for Trump. But because some studio exec was like, listen, we don't want to piss off the coastal elites because we think this movie might have Oscar, Oscar buzz. But then another studio exec was like, yeah, but this movie's for the heartland. So, you know, you can't make him too yeah. much of a wuss. So, like, this was the middle ground they found. And it doesn't come up in any other way. In any other way. So there's not like later in the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, you can't um, go to Belgium be for the weekend because you're a felon. No, it's, it's <laughs> not at all. But so um, the daughter's like, oh, I remember the, the daughter's like, I didn't kill her. Akeem did. And she's like, you got to find Akeem. And Akeem, and they somehow he and his new girlfriend like piece together. They investigate and they find where Akeem lives and they can't really pin him down. Like they need to get blood samples so that they match the DNA, <laughs> I guess, on the body. And it's like, how are they going to do that? But so. So what happens is one night Matt Damon takes his girlfriend's little girl to a soccer game because they love soccer in France. And across Football. the stadium, he sees Akeem having fun with his friends. And he's like, 
I got to take care of this. <laughs> so he kidnaps Akeem and ties him up in the basement of his girlfriend's apartment building and keeps him hostage there. And meanwhile, it, like, gets in contact with a private investigator to be like, all right, he fills him in on the story, like, we got to get my daughter out of prison. She says, this guy did it. You need to, like, do what you need to do so that we get the DNA to the judge to reopen the case. I And the the investigator's like, how are you going to get the blood or whatever? And Matt Damon's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so he kidnaps this kid and keeps him in the basement for God knows how long. And meanwhile, we're not even sure, like, they never, it's never really explicitly like, did the daughter do it or did she not do it? We, it's so hard to tell what the crime even was. It's never really said. What they really focus on is just Matt Damon fixing a toilet in this French apartment. <laughs> like, And is his girlfriend aware that there's like a so murderer living in the basement? Not at first, not at first, but she finds out. Okay. And um, she left. That's a movie. That's good. That's yeah. a movie thing to have. She finds out and she... So there's this scene where like the cops show up and they're like, we know that Akeem's missing and we've been reported there's some suspicious behavior around here. So you don't mind if we check your basement, right, Matt Damon? Matt Damon's like, oh, sure, officer, I respect the law. God bless the troops. Like, whatever, <laughs> come down to the basement. And wow, what the hell? He's gone. Where'd he go? Where did Akeem go? It turns out the girlfriend found out and let him go and isn't snitching. So she's Isn't a real snitching one. on Damon. She's not. She's snitching. not snitching on anybody. She's, she's just. Not, she's not snitching. She's like a real one. She, she obviously she didn't want this kid tied up in her basement. So she gets stitches. She she knows that. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that is actually a theme of the movie where she's like, because there's there's the obvious stuff about like you Americans don't understand France, but then this is a real theme of like you don't understand Marseille because this movie takes place in Marseille. It's like here in Marseille, we don't narc on people. Like we don't tell the cops shit. In my village growing up, <laughs> my grandmama would always say, snitches get stitches. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like she's a Give real one. Give me an Oscar for whatever accent that, that was. That was beautiful. Uh, I couldn't tell. It wasn't French. It wasn't French. It almost was French. <laughs> Grandmama <laughs> sounded French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, all right, cool. Akeem's long gone. He's not going to tell on Matt Damon. And the investigator gets the blood sample to um, the judge who reopens the case and is like, wow, you're right. Oops, you were in prison by accident. So, like, oh, la la, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so they release her. And the final scene is like they go home to Oklahoma because here's the thing. Even though the girlfriend was like, I'm not going to snitch on you. She's also like, dude, we cannot date anymore. Yeah. You locked up a child in my basement. So, so they broke up and they have to go back home to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And they get a fucking hero's welcome. They get... I, I was we love like, heroes. <laughs> yes. Oh, we love heroes in Oklahoma. <laughs> we love it. They were like... They literally have the guy. And I was like, is this the real like mayor of Oklahoma or whatever? Like the real <laughs> senator? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever official. Because he was a bad actor. So I was like, is this the real guy? And he was like, he literally says the words. We got our girl home. We brought our girl home. You know, like. They, Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> like, seriously. There's no thought to the. And here's what actually happened, by the way. The daughter hired Akeem. To. Oh. 
to get this girl, the murdered girl, to move out of her house because there were roommates. And I think there was romance, too. Oh, my God, there were roommates. I think there was a little romance, too, but it was not explicit. Like, she was in love with her, I think. But so she was like, I can't, I want her to move out. She won't move out. I need to hire a tough to get her to move out. So Akeem, when he came was too tough and and he killed her. He did end up killing her like by accident, I think. Um so really he was the one who murdered her, but like his daughter's the one who hired him. So she gets this hero as welcome and she's she's chill. She's like I'm home. It's good to be home. She's happy. And whereas Matt Damon is like, my kid is a monster. I ruined my life. I had a, I tied up a kid in my French girlfriend's basement and my, that French girlfriend was hot and into him. And he could have had a new fresh life where he just fixed bookshelves all day. And now he's back home in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And so it's kind of a sad ending. So, okay. So there, (laughs) so like, what was the, what was the point? It was just like. He went and then he went because he felt like he needed to do this duty. And then he came back and realized that what he lost was what he lost was actually greater than what he what he what he originally wanted. I just want my kids back. I just want my daughter back. I just want to clear my daughter's name. He goes there. He fixes toilets. He gets baguettes. He's like, actually, this is dope. Mm-hmm. You know, just a little. Br- I don't His need a full dinner. I just I can just yeah. have some wine and a little bit of brie and bread. I don't need to. Yeah. I don't need to have. A big man. I don't need to go to Arby's. Yeah. You know? <laughs> His mind is open. And then yeah. In he becomes the monster that his daughter is. He kidnaps someone and he frees her. And then he realizes, oh, I should have just like stayed in France. Yeah. Well, he's like, he he gets glimpses of what his life could be if he was like a good, honest person. But then the Stillwater, Oklahoma in him, I guess, like he can't escape it. And that's what causes you to kidnap people and keep them in your girlfriend's basement. I do want to read, um, Penton Liam has been very excited about us talking about so water and left a review from letterbox that I do. I would love to read. Okay. This review says still water 2021. Basically, what if I domesticated a dopey American roughneck into my red blooded fetish object, an ill-advised romance given he will probably succumb to his national instinct to detain and torture. So this was like, uh, what a great review. And looking at it much more deeply than I was. I wasn't looking at it as like, he is America. I was looking at it as he's just Matt Damon from Stillwater, Oklahoma. But that's a deep, that's a deep reading. So... I, I haven't seen this movie. The uh, the writer of the review is Beatrice uh, Loyaza. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Um, she's reading it as like the the French girlfriend like converted him into this fetish object. To use her words, is was that in the movie at all? Like, not what, really. Or was she like, or was the French girlfriend like, all right, sure, I'll date you. And then I'm not. (laughs) If we're looking at Stillwater through this lens, that means that the girlfriend is France, right? So France, France allows America to come in and fix some things around the house and act like a father figure sometimes, but it only stabs them in the back because America is going to end up torturing 
entertaining people. And that's not cool with France. So you just can't trust America, <laughs> I guess. It, and send America back. Send it back. So something I always ask with like many of these movies, especially the movies I don't like, is like, why? Like we yeah. had West Side Story a couple weeks ago. I'm like, why did you make this movie? West Side Story exists already. Mm-hmm. Why? Why still water? Like I think that's one of the things that I'm confused. Like I know all about this movie. Like the thing <laughs> that I kind of don't understand is like, what's the why of this movie? Is it like a tale of like American overreach, or is it a tale of America? Because you know, like you say, oh, it's just Matt Damon playing Matt Damon from Stillwater, but like. When you have like a Trumpy guy live in France, it is about conservative American life versus liberal European life or the perception of liberal European life. Like right. what's the point that is like, is the point that he comes back, like he thinks that he knows everything about the world and he's going to, he's going to be Liam Neeson and he's going to fucking break some knuckles to get his child back. It's- and then he comes back and actually realizes maybe I should have like broken out of my my violent ways? Like, what was the point? What's the why? So that's such a great question. And I don't think the movie has the answer because okay. <laughs> it's written by an, like, it was definitely Oscar. They wanted an Oscar bait season for this movie. And it's just too wacky. It's too wacky. It's crazy. And they needed to tone it down a little bit because it's just so ridiculous that you can't suspend your disbelief. I mean, he kidnapped, he sees that kid at a stadium full of people, but like zeroes in, that's him, that's Akeem, and then kidnaps him and like, keeps him in the basement. Yeah, I mean, I that's, I guess, kind of ultimately like the destiny for this movie is that everyone's like, well, this movie's fucking crazy. You see the poster and it's Matt Damon with a fucking camouflage oh trucker hat on and you're <laughs> yeah. like oh god and then it's like oh he but he's living in france and he's like drinking the wine and he's got a girlfriend and he's got like a, a, a young a young fake daughter yeah there's but probably- then it's like crazy town and then i heard the thing with like the, i heard about the stadium scene too where it's like he actually like very much puts his girlfriend's daughter at risk to like capture this guy at the stadium well it seems like am i right no it seems like he's gonna just tell this kid who's like i'm gonna say seven he's gonna tell her like you know what i'll be right back (laughs) and she's like this little kid in a stadium full of hooligans right so like you're really worried for a second that's what he's gonna do he doesn't do that though he he just gets him later um (laughs) okay (laughs) we'll just do it later (laughs) He like takes care of the kid and then does it. But I think there is a movie to be made about like what that reviewer was talking about, which is like, I don't know, the relationship between France and America and how the they see each other and all that. Like that's probably it's complicated, that's complicated and interesting. And listen, I'm not writing it. But if someone else I was going to say, it, you might be one of the best people to write it. I mean, I should do it between you lived Canada in America and-, <laughs> and you speak French. <laughs> Canada and America. Hmm. Um Maybe Quebecois versus (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) But, you know, I had a rollicking good time watching this movie because I was just, it's one of those movies where you, I've heard, I'd heard nothing about. I went in so blind and I couldn't believe what I was watching. (laughs) So it's it's fun to watch. Much like Malignant. It's fun to watch those movies sometimes. Is this movie as good as Malignant? Absolutely not. I would give this movie three Sorkins out of five possible Sorkins. So there was Sorkin-y. There was some Sorkin stuff going on. Yeah, in there. there was some definite, definite Sorkinisms, um, Sorkin inspiration. 
There was a white man who couldn't be convinced yeah. otherwise. It was too serious for Sorkin. Like there were literally no jokes in the movie, but um, but it was it was very the seriousness of it and the America of it all was even though it was set in France, <laughs> was hard to overcome. I love it. Thank you for sharing, Danielle. Thank you for letting me talk about Stillwater. I love it. I, I love saw it. this movie I mean, like a month ago now, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept putting it at the top of my list of things to discuss. Um, guys, we got, we didn't really get a ton uh, other than Stillwater thoughts, a ton of cues or comments. Um, it was all Stillwater stuff. Yeah. I guess Spicy Marco BB asked Kat Dunn on a Twitch stream to like be on our podcast. She said that she has not been invited and I have extended an invitation. Yeah, this Twitter, is officially we'll officially I'll an invite. Up. Please come on. I'll the follow up. Maybe she can take my spot for a couple weeks. <laughs> I jokingly said I in my tweet to Kat, I just said you can like please come on anytime and you can replace any of the hosts permanently. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I was just joking. I kind of met myself, <laughs> but no. we're not. Yeah. Like if Kat wants to be co-host of this podcast for three months, get her in. Uh, it's going to be amazing. It's I would, it would be great. It would be great. And make her watch She's the playing, water and describe it to you. <laughs> that actually sounds fantastic. <laughs> if you guys, I mean, don't, don't make her hate us, but if you want to like, no, politely harangue cat into coming onto this pod and like politely. watching a weird movie with us. Like we don't have to talk about big brother. No, we can talk about, there's so many movies coming out. I mean, I won't force her to watch being the Ricardos, but some, we just, there's more coming. We just spent half of being the Ricardos length talking about that movie. I know I can't deal. Um, well guys, Thank you so much for listening, for sending in your thoughts and comments throughout the week. You can still do that. Hey, Julie BB. Now more than ever, in fact, I think you should do that. You can email <laughs> I think us. Danielle's about to be very online. <laughs> you can email us. Hey, Julie, big brother at gmail.com. And I think that's all there is to it. Goodbye, Danielle. I speak for all of our listeners. I wish you all the best. We're we're excited for you. We're happy for you. We're gonna miss you. I'm gonna, gonna miss, miss you. Me too, because I'm probably not gonna pod like all the fucking time. Yeah. But <laughs> um I'll say that I'm saying this to you like for the listeners, and then I'm obviously we're gonna hit stop and then I'm just gonna talk to you for like five minutes afterwards. Right. But good luck to you. We will listeners, we will be back soon whenever that happens. Thank you for sticking with us and uh Goodbye, Julie. Goodbye, Julie and Aaron. Bye.